What are some things you can do when you're feeling upset? I can get Blakey and give him a hug. Welcome to episode 11 of Behaviorally Speaking, a podcast featuring board-certified behavior analysts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. On this episode, Angela and Kristen discuss the fine art of tantrums and why your child might be throwing them. They provide expert tips for identifying the cause and age-appropriate strategies for resolutions you can implement at home. They will walk you through real-life scenarios and help you identify patterns and triggers so you don't get stuck in a box trying to solve for the wrong root causes. Behaviorally Speaking is brought to you by Rethink Benefits, an employer-provided resource to support parents and caregivers of children with learning, social, and behavioral challenges. Learn more at RethinkBenefits.com. And now, here are your hosts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. Hello and welcome to our 11th episode of Behaviorally Speaking. I'm one of your hosts, Angela Nelson, board certified behavior analyst and mother of two. And I'm Kristen Bondi, also a board certified behavior analyst and mother of two. Uh, 11, we made it through the year. I know, we made it past 2020. (laughs) Yay, 2021, we are here. I was just thinking that. I was like, I can't believe we're already into 2021 and then we're actually recording this now like toward the end of the month too. So I don't know why this this year is just flying by already. I know. Yeah, I know. It's been it's been an interesting start to the year, that's for sure. But uh yeah, we we're excited to be diving into this topic uh, Mm -hmm. today. I think this is a very relevant one. Um, Year round. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Every parent can relate to this. (laughs) I I was just uh, looking at my phone and my sister, no joke, my younger sister just texted me and I quote, did your girls have a pickup and tantrums around age three? <laughs> so, um, it sounds like I'll have a phone call later um, with my sister <laughs> talking about her kids. But uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah. This is basically my life. <laughs> I have two and they're two and four. So yes, my answer to that would be yes, I do have <laughs> two of tantrums. Around yeah, I know. It's tough. <laughs> uh, well, today we are going to talk about that wonderful topic of tantrums. We're going to go into what they look like, why they might happen, and what to do about it. Yes, definitely. So if you listen to, I think it was our second episode, so last year, we can say, <laughs> our second yeah. episode, we we did the podcast on the basics of behavior, and we touched on this a little bit. But One thing that we did that we're going to do today is break down tantrums into steps. So in order to figure out what we can do about it and what are some strategies that might work, we're going to break this down for you a little bit. So we're going to start with step one, and that's going to be what is a tantrum? (laughs) So it's really important to define it. What does it look like? What are you talking about when you're saying my child is having a tantrum? So for example, my weekend, um, falling on the floor, uh, (laughs) crying, running away, (laughs) screaming, kicking, throwing things, Um, really whatever it is that your child is doing, let's think about what, what we want to, or what your child is doing, that's what we're going to call the tantrum. So really get a good understanding of, all right, what are we looking at here? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and a little sidebar, uh, it's, as you may have noticed, I just mentioned this is my weekend, but it's totally (laughs) normal. I don't really like using the word normal so much, but in this context, I think it works that tantrums, they're going to happen. Uh, it's a way for our little ones and and even our teenagers really (laughs) to communicate. Mm Uh, so we're going to work with them through it and we can find ways to reduce it. So we'll talk about that today. Um, but really, we want to help our children communicate in more productive ways. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely important to start there. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into step two, I have to tell you in Los Angeles, we're having like a major wind event, Kristen. So oh. there is like a chance we might lose power. And I don't know if you can even hear the whistling in the background, but it's oh pretty my intense. Goodness. No, like bring everything inside. I yeah. did hear something, and I thought it was a motorcycle. <laughs> That's just no, the wind. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's January. It's been in the oh. 80s the last couple of days. It's super dry, so of course. Um, you know, everybody's worried about fire. So uh-huh. yeah, it's uh, that's what we're dealing with in oh boy. California. Right. So yeah, just a heads up if that happens. But um, <laughs> step two, let's let's dive back in. So step two, we're going to talk a little bit about patterns here. So mm-hmm. when we when we think about behaviors, and again, you reference this um, our podcast from last year, talking just about basics of behavior. We really want to dive into, you know, when this behavior is more or less likely to happen, right? Or to mm-hmm. have to occur. What are those triggers? What are those, what we call setting events, which could be things like um, being tired or being hungry and what environments kind of occasion this behavior? Is it happening at school? Is it happening at home and school? Mm-hmm. Is it just happening in certain places or with just certain people or really across the board? So we're going to talk a little bit more about ABCs of behavior. So if you've been listening to us before, you probably, this is nothing new, but uh, we'll, we'll dive into that. But basically antecedents, behavior, and consequence, right? So what happened before the behavior? What was the behavior? What did it look like? And then what happened after the behavior? So we're going to, uh, this is kind of the A part right here. So step two, the A, the antecedent, what's going on before the behavior? So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next. Yeah, and definitely so important to pay attention to those. Um, I think sometimes we're so reactive as parents, like, whoa, what just happened? And we forget, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, oh, that's right. You, you you know, your your sister just stole your toy or you haven't eaten in a few hours or maybe it's 9 o'clock at night. So it's really important to pay attention to those things. Yep. Um, yeah, and equally important, step three, uh, to pay attention to the C part of it, so the consequence. And so a lot of times we think of consequence, maybe some, uh, maybe a negative connotation to that. But in a behavior analytic world, we mean consequence as just what happened after. So could be a good thing, the consequence. So really thinking about what are you doing when your child engages in a tantrum? Are you going over to your child, giving a hug, walking away, uh, reprimanding, really thinking about what are you doing after that behavior occurs? Mm-hmm. I think it's important too, because a lot of times when I talk to families, it doesn't really occur to them that the consequence could be contributing, mm-hmm. um, might even be reinforcing that behavior and they might not realize it. So that's why it's always good to kind of take a step back and go through these steps mm-hmm. and kind of look at it from a bird's eye view. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So step four, we are going to then determine why. 
Why is it happening? Or what we call the function of that behavior. So what what function is that serving for that person, that maybe that child or that teenager? And there might be multiple reasons. There might be multiple functions. Um, but the it's important that we do that and we get that function by looking at all those patterns, right? Uh, because it dictates what we're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of dictates the the intervention. That's what happens um, when kids are in, you know, therapy and things like that. When they're they're um, needing intervention for certain behaviors, you better believe they're going to dive in and take some data and really kind of get a sense of okay, why is this happening? So that we can put in place a good intervention that's kind of you know data data based essentially. So. Um, yeah, so it's it's really important f- that we figure out why that child might be engaging in that certain behavior. What are they trying to communicate to us? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, what's what's the overall overall reason? It doesn't necessarily have to fit into certain boxes. There might be a couple different reasons, but generally speaking, we are talking about things like. Are they doing it for attention? Are they doing it because they want to get out of something, get out of work or mm-hmm. escape it or avoid it? Are they <laughs> wanting to get something, right. you know, or uh, we'll even dive into um, some sensory reasons later, but that might be another another reason. So yeah, the reason why the tantrum is occurring is really important. Yes. I was just thinking, I mean, I can relate this to my life so well. Um, but but really, like you had mentioned, don't get stuck in those boxes. I think a lot of times, and, and you probably know this with just you know our, our work, but a lot of times behaviors will happen for one reason or one function, and then it slowly drifts over to another. So mm-hmm. an example might be a child is engaging in a tantrum because they don't want to write their their letters or do their math work. And we see a lot of avoidance behavior and, and escape in that sense. So fault, maybe falling out of the chair, screaming, running away. But then a child might realize, ooh, but look at all that attention I just got for that behavior. And then we're now we're in a pickle because we've got, mm-hmm. you know, two things that we are, you know, we've got to focus on. Um, so so you know, don't let that stress you out, but definitely something to pay attention to. Uh, like mm-hmm. Angie said, you know, we're going to respond differently depending on what the function is for that behavior. So yeah. I guess that leads us to step five. So we next we want to focus on the strategies. So of course, depending on that function, we're going to figure out, okay, how should we appropriately respond to this? And how can we teach our child to maybe communicate with us more appropriately? And how can we, I guess most important, not continue to reinforce or reward mm-hmm. this behavior? So that's really, really important. So yep. let's let's start with attention. I feel like this is kind of the biggie. Um, a lot of times I'll have, you probably have had families say this to you too, but uh, I've had lots of families I've worked with who they'll say, you know, my child's having a tantrum and all of a sudden they kind of pick up that toy and then they just look at me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> like if your child's looking to you <laughs> to let you know, like, hey, I'm looking for you to, you know, kind of give me attention during this, then it might be mm-hmm. for attention. Um, and, and also I think another really, really common one is it, when you're on the phone, <laughs> I don't oh, know about you, wow, but yeah. every single time I get on the phone, all of a sudden my kids are just going wild they're trying to do everything they can to get my attention. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't think that's uh, just the toddler thing. No. <laughs> yeah. That's all, all ages. Sudden, yeah. Older kids too, just like, uh, all of a sudden now I need help with every little thing, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the strategies then. So we have determined, all right, yes, I think this behavior is occurring 
for my attention. So we're gonna talk a little bit about some preventative strategies and then some reactive strategies, and we'll do that for all of those. But for attention, some preventative strategies, let's give attention, non-contingent attention we call it. So just randomly going over and saying, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? What are you working on? If we know that maybe your child tends to seek your attention, maybe after like 30, 40 minutes of you working on something, perhaps working on your computer or cooking dinner. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get, get in there ahead of time. And if it's at 30 minutes, well, let's go in after maybe 20 minutes and give some non-contingent attention. Just say, hey, how's it going? When you wanna hang out for a few minutes? That one could be really helpful. I think that that's so important too, when you think about it, just, just thinking about that for a minute, that concept, right, is, if your child's engaging in a lot of these tantrum behaviors because they want to get your attention, well, they want your attention, mm-hmm. right? That's what they're trying to communicate. Right. So to give them attention, not based on any sort of behavior, but just to give them more of an enriched environment of attention, you're giving them what they what they need. They might be less likely to, to, to need to engage in that tantrum. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that one. It's such an important one. Yes, absolutely. And I think equally important to that, and, and this goes for all ages, but teach your child how to let you know that they want your attention. So maybe you're not always able to get over there within that 20 minutes, but that doesn't mean we can't teach them how to come and say, hey, can I have some attention? Or maybe tapping your shoulder when you're on the phone or coming over and showing a picture they were just drawing. There's lots of ways kids can come over and get your attention, really. Yeah, that's good. I I taught my kids, I know it sounds maybe a little hokey, but I taught my kids to say, mom, I need attention. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Direct and to the point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you better believe that anytime I heard that, of course, I was immediately giving them attention. I really wanted to reinforce that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might sound a little strange when you have like a three-year-old say, I need attention. I but need attention. Gosh darn it, it worked. <laughs> well, you know, I think we see this a lot with siblings. I know that we, you know, we'll dive into siblings later on in the year, but I think it sometimes mm-hmm. I hear from parents all the time oh, my, my brother gets more attention than me is what the child is yeah. saying. Or, oh, you spend so much time with my sister. And so I think that it's really important to validate those concerns and maybe say, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Let's talk about it. How can we yep. maybe have some special one-on-one time? So again, we're being proactive. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. That's a good point. And then um, maybe my favorite here <laughs> for reactive. So how are we supposed to respond? I get this question all the time. In fact, I had, I think, three calls last week where I was talking with families about this. Like, okay, great. I'm going to try to prevent it, but what do I do when it happens? Yeah. And I think the the biggest takeaway for this is don't give them the attention in the moment. Um, it's, it's hard to do. I think sometimes it's easier just to be like, what do you need? You know, and, and just kind of, okay, here, 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 take this or, or you know, whatever it might be. Um, But if you can, don't give in in that moment. Um, A good example is if you're on the phone. I talk with families all the time and say, give them a sign. Um, Maybe hold up a finger and say that means means to wait or have them come up and maybe leave you a note that says, hey, I need you you when you're done or something like that. But I think the biggest thing is is don't give in when you know that they're looking for your attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's hard to do in the moment. It's definitely – it's good to (laughs) – have these conversations, right? And to kind of give yourself a pep talk ahead of time. So you have a plan, uh-huh. right? Cause it is so easy to just give in. And then what you're doing in retrospect, you're thinking about it. Like, oh yeah. I just, I completely reinforce that behavior. What are they going to do? They're going to do it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause you reinforced it. 
Yeah. And so important before we jump to the next one, but I just thought of this, but if you've got multiple parents in the home, (laughs) this is not always easy, but communicating when something might be happening for attention to make sure that they're not then going to go get that attention from maybe another adult in the home. So we really want to communicate, come up with a plan and say, okay, next time this happens, this is how we're going to respond. And collectively, we're all going to hopefully respond the same way. Yeah, that's definitely, that's a tough one. Yeah, it sure <laughs> but is. But it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so let's go into our next little segment, tantrums for access to something, right? We call it access to tangibles, mm-hmm. but basically just means things and stuff, right? right. So your, your child wants stuff, they tantrum for it. So how can we prevent that? I think my one of my favorite examples for behavior is the grocery store example, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going in, your child wants, you're at the checkout, you've got a lot of stuff, you got to run home to make dinner, you're stressed out, it's a long day. And of course, your child's tantruming because they want to get the candy at the checkout aisle. There's no, it's not a shocker that they <laughs> keep the candy there. I know, they strategically <laughs> the do that. <laughs> so if you give in and you say, fine, 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 we're, we're making a scene here, quiet, quiet. Okay. I'll give you the tantrum or give you the, um, the candy then. Mm -hmm. Well, of course you you're reinforcing that tantrum, uh, because your child wants to get that. So they are probably going to try that again because Mm -hmm. they know, Ooh, that was a pretty slick move and it worked. So we'll try it again. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about prevention, right? So what we can do is we can Think ahead of time. If you can hear my kids in the background, sorry. They they seem to be done with their asynchronous uh, <laughs> schoolwork, so now they're having a blast out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so what we're thinking is, you know, think ahead of time. All right, I am. I know my child's prone to having tantrums when we go into the store, and so what I'm going to do is proactively talk ahead of time and say, "Okay, guys, if you stay calm and we're not having tantrums in the store." Then what you can do is at the checkout aisle, maybe you can pick something. There's some sort of reward. Or maybe if we stay calm, then we'll go to the park on the way home. Or mm-hmm. you can get you know that gum that you were asking me about last time. Right? So what you're doing is you're, you're basically providing a reward for staying calm. Mm-hmm. So it's proactive, right? So you're actually rewarding the appropriate behavior or the kind of absence of the tantrum um, instead of giving in, right? So definitely something to think about. So this is all about being proactive. And the other thing too is teaching appropriate requesting. So initially you may think, oh, well, I don't really want to give them that candy, but right now we're in the teaching mode Mm -hmm. and we really want to focus on what's most important. Well, it's the reduction of the tantrums, right? So at least temporarily, you might want to teach them how to ask for the candy in an appropriate way. So it might be, well, mom, can I have that X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you can say, okay, yes, we can buy that and we can have it tonight for dessert or something like that. So again, you're reinforcing the appropriate behavior, not the tantrum. So those are some things to think about and kind of make some tweaks in there. In terms of reactive strategies, um, probably comes as no surprise. <laughs> we don't want to give the item in the moment <laughs> when there's a tantrum don't want to reinforce that tantrum by giving them what they want, right? We may want to wait a little while, wait until they're asking appropriately. Um, That's really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's definitely hard to not give in. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. 
But what we re- what we try to remember, I think you and I talk about this a lot, Kristen, is sometimes it is short-term pain for long-term mm-hmm. gain, right? Yes. Um, my mom, I, I don't know if this is entirely, I'll give you a little side note. I don't know if this is entirely accurate, maybe because it's been a couple decades <laughs> um, <laughs> since this happened, uh, but my mom swears that, oh, you guys never had tantrums when you were a kid because one time you wanted like a toy at Kmart and and I had a basket full of stuff for my classroom and you tantrumed and I just said, nope, that's it. And I just left my cart there and we just walked out. Oh <laughs> and she swears that I never had a tantrum again. I don't know if that's true, but that's uh, I guess like the extreme example of what <laughs> And we're done here. <laughs> Yeah, nope, not having it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So again, reactively, don't give don't give in in the moment. If your child's tantruming, they want something. Really, it's it's hard. It's definitely hard when you're tired and people might be looking. But um, you you really want to kind of stick to the plan there and um, remember those proactive strategies uh, for the next time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tough one, but that- it's definitely that. Yeah. I was going to say that one is so tough. And I I hear a lot from parents like, oh my goodness, like everybody's looking at me and oh, I just want to get out of here. And I just, oh, hurry here, just take this. And, and it is so, it's so easy just to say, all right, fine, you know, have that. Or, or even at home, uh, you know, your kids tantrum, tantrum because they want that cookie before dinner and you're, you really don't want to give them the cookie, but you really need to make dinner. (laughs) So it's like, all right, fine, just go eat a cookie, you know? But the problem with that is, is the next day, you know, kids are smart (laughs) and the next day they're going to come up and really want that cookie and expect it. And we might see a longer tantrum the next time because they're used to you giving in every now and then. I think we've talked about right. that before, right? Like we can't just, you got to stick to it. You either don't give in um, or or have them ask for it. Um, but giving in every now and then too can can cause some, some challenges for sure. Yeah. That's actually a really good point too, that mm-hmm. intermittent yes. reinforcement. So if you're Stick into the plan, and then you slip up, ever, ever, slip up every once in a while. That's actually even worse because it's that slot machine effect. I feel like we've talked about we that have, many times. We have. Um, you have such a good point there. Yeah. yeah, I will say though, a little nifty trick that I use, and some because sometimes I think you have to. I think as a parent, we can't always stick to our plan. Um, that's what I've <laughs> learned over the last four and a half years of parenting. Um, yeah. So. Sometimes what I'll do is if I have to, let's say, change my plan a little bit, I'll always tie it back to something that they just did that was really great. Like, oh, you know what? I don't usually give you cookies before dinner. And but today you you really colored that paper so well. So today I'm going to give you the cookie because one, you asked nicely and you did all your schoolwork. And so we're already saying I'm going to give in, but only because of this reason. And so don't expect it tomorrow because, you know, so I think sometimes that can be helpful too. If you, you know, you're going to give in on something, I think at least tying it back to something that they've done appropriate. Yeah. So you're being clear. Yes. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I will say one more thing too, um, in the moment. So not giving in, I think parents probably have a lot of questions about that too. So what happens afterwards? Right. And mm-hmm. one thing you can do is you can redirect them and say, nope, you know, we don't get candy for tantrums. When you calm down and you ask nicely, like you can turn right. it into a learning experience, right? So mm-hmm. when you're calm and you ask nicely, then maybe we'll talk about it, right? So you're yes. you're really trying to turn that tantrum into a teachable opportunity. And I, I will say when I see parents and their kids are, uh, my kids are, you know, older now, but if their kids are tantruming and 
you know, the the store target or something and I see them say, no, that's not okay. We don't do that. No, we're not getting it. I think parents might think in the moment they're, oh gosh, everyone's looking at me. I'm embarrassed. But I look at them and I say, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. You go, mama. You go, dad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of respect when parents, other parents see the parents saying, nope, you know, we're going to be consistent on this. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't be embarrassed. This is, yeah. this is tough parenting. Yeah, definitely. And at home, really tying it back to maybe an at-home example, I talk with parents a lot about kids will tantrum for particular toys they want to play with, especially when you have siblings. And no, I had that first. No, I had that. No, that's mine. And you're kind of putting out that flame (laughs) multiple times a day. Um, Something that I always tell parents to do, and I do this myself, is I'll say, okay, well, that toy um, in particular is because this child, you know, you're, you're having a tantrum. I'm not going to give it to you when you're crying. Um, I'm going to put it up here and I'm going to set a timer for a minute. And after a minute, the toy becomes on limits again. Um, right now it's off limits. I need you to calm down. Then you can ask for a turn with the toy. And then again, it's the Mm -hmm. same thing. We're not saying, no, you can never have that. But what we are saying is a tantrum is not going to get it. So we really want to teach that. Totally. Yes. Yeah. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about strategies for escape. And I will say, Angie, I know when we were talking about this podcast topic, this one's near and dear to my heart. So (laughs) um, my son, (laughs) he's four and a half, um, he is quite clever when it comes to having a tantrum for escape. And I, we actually, I'm totally throwing him under the bus right now, but um, (laughs) we had his parent-teacher conference last week and his teacher's so wonderful. And she was saying, you know, he just, he doesn't really like to write. It's not his favorite thing to do. And I was like, I know, I've been dealing with this for many, many years. And so she was telling me about all these clever ways that he found to get out of writing. He would fall on the floor. He's like, oh, no, no, I need a drink of water. And then it's like, oh, wait, hold on, my shoe's untied or my sock. <laughs> and I, she was going through a list. And I was thinking, oh, man, I was like, this is so this is all escape maintained behavior. And in my, you know, my behavior analytic mind is like thinking strategies, strategies, strategies. How can I tell her? Um, <laughs> and of course I, I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> but um, so this one's very near and dear to me. <laughs> but so if your child is engaging in tantrums because they want to get out of something, I see this at my house a lot with, with homework, like I had said, but a lot of families see this with bedtime. I think that's mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest ones I hear. Bedtime, yep. getting ready for school. Um, those those are the biggies. So, of course, we want to prevention. We want to talk about prevention first. Um, talking mm-hmm. about ways or teaching your child ways that they can essentially request escape or even to avoid it for maybe in the short term. So mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about this before, but... I know we're saying, okay, well, no, I said go to bed. That means it's time to go to bed. You know, we want to stand firm on that. But it's equally important to teach our child, maybe if they were in the middle of something, or maybe they had five more minutes left on their TV show or five more minutes in that book, to have them say, can I have five more minutes? It's a much more appropriate way to ask for an extension to that time rather than just falling on the floor or throwing the book across the room and having that major fit. Mm -hmm. Super important. Um... Another one here just really to prevent is asking, having them ask to take a break. 
I think we we talked a lot yeah. about this over our last two podcasts in terms of just remote schooling. But for our kids, it's it's really tough. And so if we see our child's falling out of their chair and, and really just kind of avoiding that schoolwork or having those major meltdowns because they've been asked to sit there for 20, 30 minutes and pay attention, well, it might be that they need a break. And so we really want to work with them on asking to take that break. And then they can mm-hmm. focus again and then, you know, come back to their work. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and asking for help, I think that kind of goes along with that as well. So if your child, again, I always use the example of falling out of the chair because I feel like that's what I've seen so often. Um, putting their head down too, I think that's another one. Just kind of checking out of whatever it is they're doing. Um, have them ask for help. Use a visual support if, if you need to. Maybe putting up a little something on their desk that shows them how to ask for help. But But really coming up with some strategies there to help them ask for help and take a break and and really, again, communicate what it is that they need at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Giving warnings. Oh, warnings and countdowns. Well, that's that's huge. Um, You know, actually, I have to give props to my husband this morning. I don't know if I've given him a lot of props on this podcast. He doesn't (laughs) listen, so he's not going to hear this, but I was so (laughs) proud. Um, (laughs) So this morning, my son, as you know, has a hard time going to school, doing his work. And this morning he said, he was like, Parker, we have 10 more minutes and then we've got to go to school. You know, essentially, I think he even said like, so you can mentally prepare. (laughs) Um, And then, (laughs) and then, and then five, five minutes went by and he said, Hey, five more minutes. Okay. Five more minutes. And then we're going to get ready for school. And I just was like sitting in the background thinking, yes, like this is so great because I've been telling him, you know, he, uh, that child in particular really needs warnings and countdowns. Some kids don't, but Mm -hmm. some do. So really important to give them those warnings and those countdowns before a transition. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Praising, listening, that's always a a great one. I think it's important to praise what we want to see. We've talked a lot about that, but when your child in particular does their schoolwork when you ask them to, or maybe gets ready for bed, that first request, which um, we really want to make sure we're praising that. So next time they're, they're looking for that again, like, ooh, yesterday when you told me to get ready for bed, I got up and I got ready for bed. Well, I'm going to do that again because that was really great that I got all that praise and, and just that support from you when that happened. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, And then one more for prevention for for escape maintained behaviors. And I will say, this is one I have to use with my daughter every single day. So she's two and a half and she's very, very, she wants to be independent. Um, She wants to do things herself. (laughs) So I have to give her a lot of choices. So that's that's one one thing that uh, I do a lot with her. But for example, you know, for little ones, maybe giving a choice if I say, hey, it's time to get dressed. Instead of saying it's, you know, time to get dressed, saying something like, do you want to put on your shirt or your pants first? And really giving an example uh, or or giving that choice to start out. And for teenagers, something like, um, hey, you know, you've got these chores to do. This is your, I actually like to call them um, family contributions. I think of it. (laughs) Um, A lot of parents love that. But what your, your family contribution is this. And you can do it on Wednesday or you can do it on Friday. That's fine. Or you can do it in the morning or you can do it in the evening. That's fine. But you, whenever you want to do that, um, you can do it. But as long, you know, as long as you get it done, then, then that's great. So again, setting them up, setting them up so they're not trying to escape that behavior. We're giving them a little bit of flexibility there. Yeah. Kind of like control. I, I, when they're kids, we think of choice, making choice, you know, giving mm-hmm. choices. And then when they get to be teenagers, it's more like, okay, 
you have some control over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know what, Kristen, I think before we go into the next one, uh, before we get into reactive, one thing that we should probably talk about here is just the, t- the concept of, okay, um, you can ask for a break and ask for five more minutes. You can ask nicely for that candy, but that's not always going to fly forever, right? right? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of this concept uh, where we go from these replacement behaviors, these appropriate behaviors to replace the tantrums to what we call more adaptive skills, right? So eventually they're kind of adapting and they're we're having to kind of teach them some coping and tolerance. And eventually um, they do need to learn how to accept no, mm-hmm. right? I, actually, our colleague, Jen Wilkins, um, who who's going to be a guest later on this year on our, our <laughs> podcast, actually, I uh, get a chance to meet her. Um, she just wrote an article on this and um, talked a lot about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's important to to mention, right? Just um, mm-hmm. we do need to slowly start increasing the demands, but maybe that's the trick, right? Is just slowly saying, okay, well, you can have five minutes. Okay, now you can have four minutes. Great asking. Okay, well, you know, now you can have, yeah, you can have a little tiny break, but we're still going to have to do some work and maybe you only have to do two of the problems and then take another break or mm-hmm. something. But it is important to to kind of, I just wanted to make that note in there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It is so important. And I will say that that is where sometimes I will get some pushback from parents where it's like, oh goodness, like I can't, I can't just give in all the time. Like that's never going to work. And so that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a really, really excellent point. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so reactive. So just kind of closing out uh, strategies for escape here. So how do we respond if our child is engaging in a tantrum because they want to get out of something or they want to avoid that behavior? Uh, I think, of course, kind of you'll notice the theme here. <laughs> um, don't let them get out of it entirely. I think that this is uh, this one's a little tricky with escape maintained behavior, at least just in my experience, because there's gonna there might be a little bit of a delay because if we do have that falling on the floor, or we've got that uh, you know running away. I've worked with a lot of kids who, if if something in particular with their schoolwork is challenging, they might run out of the room. Well, sure, we're gonna have a delay there. We're going to work with that child to cope and come back to it. And then they're going to come back to it. I think the most important thing here is this, whatever it is you're trying to get out of, isn't going to go away. We are eventually going to do it. So certainly we can teach those those proactive strategies like we talked about. So, hey, this looks like it's a really hard assignment coming up. Maybe ask for some help or, or you've been sitting here for a while. Do you need a break? Those types of things. Um, but then when it does happen, we just want to make sure that we are always coming back to it and that they're always going to eventually get it done. Yeah, absolutely. This actually just happened to us this weekend. Um, my kids want to go and do like their Minecraft or, you know, play one of the the little games on mm-hmm. their, their mobile device, right. their little uh, tablets. And we always say that they have to kind of earn it by doing some sort of academic stuff. So. Mm-hmm. This weekend, we gave them a choice to read or write a little bit. And um, my younger daughter, my five-year-old, was going to write some sentences. And she got frustrated. and She couldn't spell some of the words. And I said, it's okay. Just do your best. Just sound it out. And she wanted to do it right. And she stormed off. And I told her, I just said, uh, Rosie, just so you know, you're still going to have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't want to do it now, that's fine. But you will still have to do it. Because at that point, I was committed. Yes. (laughs) it and 
I mean, it was it was just like a silly little thing, a couple sentences. But I was like, okay, now that I, I assigned it to her and she just said, I don't want to do it. Now you're definitely going to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. <laughs> see, I think it kind of clicked for her. And she's like, fine, I'll just get it out of the way now. And I was like, okay, go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, it really, for me, that in, in that particular moment, all that I needed to do was to, to remind her, you're not going to get out of this at this point. We're now committed to it. Um, it's not always that easy, but in that moment, um, that worked for her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think sending that message, hey, you're, you're still going to have to do it whether you escape or not. So some kids just like to get it done and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, exactly. I think that <laughs> it's 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 such a hard message to send sometimes, but once they get the message, it's, it's so great. But I'll see, I'll talk with so many families about this where it's like, yeah, you know, they'll just kind of kick the can down the road to getting ready for bed. It's like, well, you're going to have to get ready for bed. You've got to go to bed. So, um, I, I know we, we, we probably touched on this on another one, but just something that to try for that, that I was just thinking about is, rewarding, again, let's reward the behaviors we want to see, but maybe if you have a child who is just always trying to kick that can down the road, maybe we set Mm -hmm. a certain time and we say, hey, look, if you can get yourself ready for bed by 8.30, we're going to read three extra books because you're all ready for bed and we've got all this time to play and read books and do whatever. But if we're going to keep pushing along and now it's nine o'clock, well, oh, now we don't have the time for the books. So uh, really just yeah. kind of coming up with just simple strategies like that to think, all right, how can I get them to get on track and, and get it done when I'm asking them to do it? Yeah, that's true. You could you could really play around and kind of manipulate a lot about mm-hmm. the schedule before bed oh, <laughs> to yeah. get kind of creative. Yes, definitely. We could do a whole, maybe we should do a whole episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, we did um, do one on bedtime, I think. I think we did do one on sleeping. Yeah, yes. I think we did like sleeping and eating. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into our last one. And um, so we'll, we're getting close to the end here. So strategies for when tantrums are for a sensory type reason. So we'll, we're going to touch on this just kind of briefly. Mm-hmm. But how do we prevent this, right? So we can do a couple things. First, we can teach our kids to recognize some of those sensations in their own body. So I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm maybe for the the little littles, mm-hmm. I'm teething, right? That's that's um that's a little hard to recognize that, but it's um it helps to paint the picture of kind of sensory reasons why why people might or or babies might cry, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of its own little thing. Um but uh also teaching our kids to recognize if they feel sick, right? Um sometimes we can even use some visuals if we need to, to help them identify. Um, for oh, some kids that we work with. I was oh, going to yeah, jump go in there. Another one. What about feeling? Um, I, the reason I thought about this is I just talked with a mom this morning. <laughs> we were talking about this exact thing. And when her other child comes home from school, she's mm-hmm. noticed that there's a huge increase in tantrums because that that feeling of personal space just being, you know, automatically like, oh, you're in my space. And then all of a sudden we see this huge increase in tantrums. Um, so maybe oh, another note there, just like overstimulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one, I, I, you know, to be honest, this one is always um, a little bit harder to kind of gauge, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be, and like, Kristen, I knew you, you're a firm believer in, like, it could be a couple different reasons. Right, right. right. A couple exactly. But it's very true. I, I, I agree. Um, so this one, we, we do need to kind of survey the scene a little bit 
sometimes you have to get a little bit more savvy in terms of, okay, let's think about this. Let's look at patterns. Oh yeah, that's right. They definitely went to bed really late last mm-hmm. night. Oh, you know, they're, they're not acting like themselves. They look really tired. Maybe they're not feeling well and so mm-hmm. on. Right. So yeah. So aside from the teething, obviously babies can't do this, but for your kids, if they have the ability to do so, definitely help them recognize their own body. And, and, you know, therefore, what can they do about it? Can they uh, maybe say, you know, I'm going to go in my room, I'm going to rest for a little bit, or I'm going to ask for a snack, Yeah, you know, or I'm uh-huh. going to get myself a snack, or I'm going to remove myself and you know, there's a family party going on. So I'm going to go maybe in another, another area for a little bit just to calm down. Um, we know a lot of kids, we work with quite a few families that have kids with uh, various challenges of all, all kinds. And um, many kids have a sensory box. They'll have a little toolbox, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, either a physical box or just kind of a hypothetical box to help them kind of handle some big emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So we use color coding systems to help them identify uh, what kind of emotion they're feeling and so on. So really the prevention kind of takeaway here is recognition, right? Yeah. Helping us recognize those sensations. So, you know, reactively, I kind of already talked about this a bit, but, you know, in the moment, if you've kind of identified what that tantrum is is for and you think it's for some sort of kind of sensory reason, you could prompt them to, to take a break or could prompt them to take a nap or, or eat something and it might help them out a little bit. Yeah. I love that one. I actually, this is quite common. And of course, yeah, like, like I've said before with you, like there's, there's probably a couple things going on here. Um, but Mm -hmm. certainly if your child hasn't eaten lunch and you're trying, you're expecting them to do something, yeah, that might increase that escape maintained behavior because, well, I haven't even eaten in, you know, three hours. So I don't, I really don't want to do this now. Um, but Mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's, it's so important to pay attention to that and then teach, I uh, yeah. I think I'd given you this example or I was talking with a parent about it, but in particular, just, just helping a child identify what they're feeling at that time. And if it is something like hunger, maybe making a list of, of when they should be eating throughout the day. So it's like, did you eat lunch? Did you have a snack? Did you have dinner? And, and having a child maybe someone who's old enough to obviously see it and be able to check it off, but being able to dive in and say, oh, you know what? I didn't eat lunch today. And that could be why I'm not feeling so great right now. So I think sometimes, especially for our older kids and especially our teenagers. Yeah, for adults too. Uh, Actually, I forget to eat lunch. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Oh, that's so true. Um, You know, having them be able to pinpoint it and say, oh, wow, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, I normally wouldn't avoid this activity, but I guess I am hungry or I haven't eaten and that's why I'm avoiding it. So really important that we can teach in that moment too. So I guess that leads me to to one of the points I wanted to mention today uh, is that we we want to teach our, our so for our little ones we want to teach them it's okay to get upset I feel like this is a common theme with parents I'm talking with and saying yeah it's okay to get upset yeah you get mad you're you don't want to do that or this frustrates you and that's fine all of these emotions that we're feeling these are all fine but we need to learn ways to to really, um, you know, get your point across during that time more appropriately. So how can we handle this emotion a little bit more appropriately? 
And I, that's a big, big one that I talk with families about. So a few of the resources, I just wanted to mention a few things here that, that I mention to parents quite often. One that I stumbled upon recently, which I think is really great, it's it's a little it's called The Little Spot, and it's a series. So it's a book series, and it has all different types. So there's one on emotions in general, but then there's other ones for uh, anger and sad, and, and um, so you can go through that and look through some of those with your kids. So... That series is really great. Yeah. And there is another one. Many of you might be familiar with this. They use this a lot in the school system, but the zones of regulation. I really, really like this one in particular because this one talks about that feeling of tiredness, which which we don't see a lot. But kind of like my, if you think of it like a balloon, you know, my balloon is overly inflated. Maybe I'm angry. But what if my balloon is like totally deflated? I don't have anything uh-huh. left to give right now. And the zones of regulation really touches on that, which I love. Mm-hmm. And then one more, which <laughs> this one's, this one's um, it's got a silly title, but I have recommended it to a lot of families and they like it. It's called I'm Not Bad, I'm Just Mad. Um, it's by Lawrence Shapiro and a couple other authors. And this is actually a workbook series. So the series itself, they're all different titles. They're by all different authors, all PhDs. But um, really, really great workbooks in there, too. So uh, I just wanted to mention a few resources yeah. just to, for our listeners to take away and and check out some of those things. Yeah, those actually, I like those workbooks. I think he mm-hmm. he did the ADHD workbook for kids, right? I think he's the yes. author. Yes, uh-huh. He does, yeah. He's done a ton. Shapiro in particular has done a lot. Yeah, yeah. Those mm-hmm. are, it's a great series. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, so right before we get into our last little quick segment of Real Talk with Real Moms. Just wanted to tell a quick takeaway here, which is that tantrums, they're going to happen. <laughs> right. I don't know if I've ever talked with a family. And I think between you and I, Kristen, we've talked to uh, easily thousands of oh, parents definitely. over her whole career. Um, I've never met a family that just has zero tantrums. I think that would be very, very rare to come mm-hmm. across. So they're going to happen, especially for our little ones when they're just trying to figure out these big emotions and kind of learn how to manage them. So what we can do as parents is really pay attention to why those tantrums are happening. Pay attention to the way that we are responding to them. Ask yourself, are we being proactive here or am I being proactive here? Mm -hmm. Am I trying to teach certain replacement skills or more appropriate ways to get my needs met, right? So just when you're when your child's tantruming, it can be frustrating. So I always like to remind the families I speak with to at, at night, when, after bedtime, that's the time to sit down. If it's a two person household, speak you know talk with your partner and kind of dissect it a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what's going on? What's going on? My my husband and I do this all the time with our kids. You know our kids are older. Tantrums, uh, you know, still pop up here and there, but they they look differently now with my kids in elementary school, but. We kind of try to dissect it. What 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 are our kids trying to tell us? Are we seeing an increase here? Why might that be? Mm-hmm. Let's get on the same page. What are we doing about it? How are we teaching them, you know, to get their needs met in more appropriate ways? So really it's a, it's about kind of sitting down and thinking about it when you have a little bit of bandwidth to do so. So that's yeah. my little takeaway. <laughs> Definitely. And I know we've talked about this before, but writing down how often they're occurring, because mm-hmm. when you come up with that strategy, like, okay, we're going to do this. We're, we might not see that it's going to change overnight, but we've talked about this so many times, but those small yeah. incremental changes are huge. So if we could be like, oh, you know what? He 
had two less tantrums this week. That's a win. So I I know we say it a lot, but definitely pay attention to those because then you know you're on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Writing down, so important. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking too, as you, what you just said sparked an idea too, writing down not only taking some data, but what are you going to do about it? Oh, right? right. So what, what's your strategy? I, I'm just looking right here on my January habit tracker. You know, I, I uh, emailed <laughs> our colleagues about it. Um, I have my goals on here, like drink more water <laughs> and work out and practice gratitude, all these things. Right. And um, I, I swear I am totally more likely to do it because I have it right here and I'm looking at it, you know? And so these things in the moment, tantrums, that's hard. In the moment, you just, you're overwhelmed with frustration. But if you write it down and it's a visual right there to remind you, you might be more likely to stick to the plan and be proactive. Right, exactly. Yes. Um, well, speaking, well, we're going to dive into real talk, but sorry if you can hear my neighbor's dogs barking. <laughs> they have a dog and then they got another dog. So they just really just like to bark oh. at each other. <laughs> So you can probably hear that. <laughs> so we've got Angie's kids in the background, my dogs in the back, or my neighbor's dogs in the background. How Lots apropos, real talk with real moms. I know. We're real people in real houses with real pets. <laughs> exactly. Real kids. Um, with a pterodactyl cat, which we've, <laughs> no. we've talked about. I, that's my cat. <laughs> it really does. I'm not joking. It really it does. does sound like it really, truly sounds like a pterodactyl. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So we'll jump into to real talks here. A real talk here. I, uh, you know, when thinking about this, I was thinking like, well, this is like every day for me. There is always a tantrum. I have a two-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. So yeah, there's definitely a tantrum going on pretty regularly. I will say that it's getting better because they're getting a little bit older, but I've just, and I've mentioned a few of these, but I've come up with some strategies for, for my kids in particular. But so for my daughter, I, I have to give her choices constantly because she just wants to be doing it on her own. She wants to be super independent. And I have found that if I just say, hey, do you want to open that? Or do you want me to open that? Or do you want to put your shirt on first? Or do you want to put your pants on first? And it's really, really helped with her. Like definitely minimize those big time. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah. And for my son, he's just such a sensitive soul. And I have found that I have to just be really, really patient and quiet with him because he's, and, and a lot of our listeners probably are thinking this, and I have many families who have said to me, but some kids respond well to just being kind of in their face and being like, no, no, we've got to do this. We've got to get it done. Other kids need you to just kind of take a back seat a little bit and say, all right, mm-hmm. calm down when you're ready. We'll work it out. And, and, you know, just kind of giving them a little bit of space when they're having that tantrum. And that's been my, my in with him. I think giving him some space has been really helpful. And so mm-hmm. along that same line, my, I actually overheard my son saying this, saying similar to something similar to my daughter the other day, she had fallen a little bit. Like she just a a little easy, you know, simple fall, but she of Mm -hmm. course cried a little bit and he said, Oh, are you okay, sissy? And he helped her up and she was kind of sniffling a bit. And he said, this is very cute. And he said, sometimes I get upset too, but I've learned how to calm down. (laughs) And then he was like, I'll just get my blankie and sometimes I'll just put it over or, or no, my, I get my blankie and it gives me a hug. And then sometimes I'll put it over my face too. So no one can see me cry. <laughs> and it's just like, it's this whole thing that he's come up with this whole plan on how he can calm himself down. But I think what's important is he's figured it out. Like, Hey, sometimes yeah. I get upset and that's okay, but I figured out how to calm down. So you can do that too. <laughs> I just thought it was really sweet. Aww. That is sweet. And you know, you actually brought up a, a good point 
or you made a point that I, don't, I that we didn't even call out, which is that sometimes kids need to be parented differently. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> and they, yeah, the situation requires a different behavior from us, which mm-hmm. is is tough. I mean, I think you're like the most patient parent that I know. You, like you never <laughs> get flustered about anything. And I'm like, how does she do it? I swear. But um, yeah, that's such a good good takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And another takeaway, which is go on all day on the takeaways, but <laughs> another one I just thought of is ask your child how they can cope because sometimes mm-hmm. they might come up with a really cool strategy that you're like, oh, you know, I didn't think about that. So asking mm-hmm. them if they're age appropriate to ask them, say, when you're feeling really upset, what what can we do? Um, I actually did this with my son because he, as you know, <laughs> I've mentioned, he doesn't particularly love to go to school and he gets really, really upset when he leaves me. So I said, well, mm-hmm. what can we do? Can we send something in your backpack that maybe you have that you could visit for a minute if you're feeling, feeling sad or feeling overwhelmed? And, you know, wh- what's a good strategy for you? What do you think you could do? And he, of course, was like, can we send in little blankie not big blankie little blankie into school and I was like you know it's small sure like we could keep that in your backpack obviously got to clear it with the teacher but um mm-hmm. it was nice because he came up with his own idea on what he could mm-hmm. do to calm down yeah I love that that's mm-hmm. great cool yeah, yeah more likely to be effective too when you get their their buy-in oh absolutely so, yeah. yeah yeah instead of just saying this is how you should calm down well how can yeah, you calm down exactly mm-hmm yeah well, so for us, my my real talk, um, tantrums look a little bit different now. I mean, certainly I think the classic tantrums when they were younger, and I feel like once they get up into elementary school, it's not so much the fall down and whine and pound, you know, the floor. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, It looks more just like whining or, no, I don't want to, right. you know, those sort of things. Um, my younger one will yell. I mean, they have a strange dynamic. They're best friends. And certainly during the pandemic, they've been like stuck together for, oh. you know, uh-huh. going on 10, 11 months now. Yes. with like n- no other play dates really. Um, but my older one really is very social. She just wants to, you know, always be with with Rosie. And Rosie is, is social too, but she also really values kind of her alone time. And mm-hmm. so she'll get so upset, leave me alone. Oh. And she'll slam the door, you know. And yes. That's that's kind of their tantrums, and then Lily gets upset. She doesn't want to play with me. No one wants to play with me. It's just this whole like uh-huh. emotional storm. <laughs> so that's what ours is looking like. And I had to have a conversation with both of them, and I was just trying to do like a little mini therapy session with them. Like it sounds to me, Lily, like <laughs> you're just wanting someone to play with. And Rosie, it sounds like you're what you're trying to say is that you're wanting your space right now, and you're feeling like your sister's not listening to you. And, you know, so I was just trying to help them see the other person's perspective. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the tantrums are just morphing and, you know, obviously they morph into something else when they're, they're teenagers. Yes, and definitely. It uh, takes different forms, but, uh, but whining is, you know, we'll talk about that next time. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I think that's going to be my, my jam. Next yes, time. <laughs> definitely. And I was just thinking the fighting, the sibling rivalry and the fighting. So one of my friends texted me the other day, and said something along the lines like, oh, they've been home all weekend. And she was like, oh my goodness, she has three children. And she was like, just wait until your kids start fighting. She's like, they were fighting all weekend. And I was like, my kids already are fighting. Like they're two and four and they're already like kicking, like, no, my couch, my couch, you know? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I was like, this gets worse. (laughs) I was like, oh no. Um, So we'll definitely talk about that (laughs) in an upcoming episode too. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, well, that is going to do it for our 11th episode of Behaviorally Speaking. Thanks for joining us. Join us next month when we talk about whining. So that's going to be a good one. You'll definitely want to tune into that. And until then, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You've been listening to Behaviorally Speaking with Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi, brought to you by Rethink Benefits. Find out more about Rethink at RethinkBenefits.com, where you can find past podcast episodes under the Resources tab. We also invite you to subscribe, follow, like, and leave us feedback wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us prepare topics and content for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.